Good evening. This portion of the Tech Night Owl Live is brought to you by ReggieAshworth.com, publishers of such apps as AppDelete. You know, AppDelete is the best way to remove or uninstall the apps, plugins, and widgets, and so on on your Mac. You don't have to worry about finding all the files left by some of those apps. AppDelete does it for you. Check ReggieAshworth.com. That's ReggieAshworth.com to download your copy of AppDelete. This week on the show, we'll be featuring John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. We'll also hear from Ross Rubin of the NPD Group. We'll also be hearing from Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the problems of research in motion and Apple stellar sales. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer is joining us this week, and we've got so much to talk about. But first, there's Apple's financials. Now, I have to tell you, before those financials were announced, I almost had butterflies in my stomach. I said, you know what? Everybody's expecting so much of Apple. How can any one company possibly match those expectations? So what does Apple do? They exceed them. But even more interesting, the iPhone division alone, grossing what, about $24 billion for the quarter, exceeded the revenue from Microsoft, which was a little over $20 billion. Did you ever think that one division of Apple would exceed all of Microsoft? It's getting to be scary. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think that's maybe a theme for the next few months. Is, is uh, Everybody knew that Apple was big and growing. Apple, every, everybody realized that Apple was you know, generating a lot of cash. But I think yesterday's earnings report really puts the finishing touch on it, that this is a big, scary company now. Everybody else is scrambling. Speaking of scary, as of Wednesday morning, and of course this show will be heard on a Saturday evening, as of Wednesday morning, Apple's market cap again exceeded that of Exxon. Can you imagine Apple having a larger market cap being, in a sense, bigger than Exxon? I think it raises the question of where can Apple go from here? That's got to be very, very alarming to Apple's competitors, Samsung, Google. Once a company reaches a certain critical mass and size, it carries momentum, which in some cases can fail, but it also has enormous resources. It has legal resources. It has manufacturing resources. It has the ability to uh, acquire great talent. It can do things that continue to hold it in a winning position. And so one way to look at yesterday is say, oh my God, you know, wow, that was terrific. But in my mind, the real question is how much bigger can they go? And how much havoc is this going to wreak on the rest of the industry? We have to look at some of the stats here. One frightening aspect is that Apple is now the world's largest purchaser of semiconductors on the entire planet. So that means, of course, they can negotiate special prices to get their parts cheaper. In fact, the gross margins, the profit margins in this past quarter were higher 
than they've been in years, which means, of course, Apple gets the parts cheaper, it costs them less to build the products, and therefore they make more money. That's really one of the keys, Gene, is, is that historically Macintoshes were always more expensive than the PCs. But as you said, now Apple is using its financial muscle to get to the head of the line, pay cash for commodity parts, invest in very exotic aluminum machining equipment that they own most of in the world. And as a result, they can sell these iPads for less than the competition. It's driving the competition batty. They can't keep up. Well, just look at what happened here. For example, everyone was saying during the last quarter that the Kindle Fire was doing very well. Some people were saying, well, you know, maybe iPad sales had slowed down a little bit. And of course, during the same time, Apple's inventory of iPads was being drawn down because sales were so high. You know, Tim Cook in the uh, earnings report uh, last week said that he watched the uh, iPad sales very carefully on a weekly basis to see if there were any dents due to the Kindle Fire, and he didn't see any. It just kept soaring. Isn't that interesting? Of course, the meme from some members of the media was that the Kindle Fire was doing well. Then there are reports that apparently Amazon has cut back in production after the first of the year, so maybe they built too many. Well, that makes sense. You know, you're going to build a lot for the Christmas holidays, and it's going to taper off in January. One, I've seen TV commercials for the Kindle Fire just in the last few days. So Amazon is trying to keep the Kindle Fire uh, kindled. They're trying to keep it on fire. (laughs) Let's try it that way. They're trying to just burn up the product, forget it. But is it also true? Suppose they they did sell two million at Christmas time. All right. Um, All right. So even if there was no dent in in Apple sales and and Apple can't reasonably say that they lost sales. There is a market there that Apple didn't get. In other words, Apple sold as many iPads as it could have sold, but it might have sold seven inch iPads as very beautiful, small e-readers if they had gone into the market. But they are saying, of course, they don't think that would work. Well, I just, you know, Apple said that before, but you know, I'll tell you something. If the Kindle fire, actually made traction against the iPad, you can bet there'd be a killer 7-inch iPad in your future. Well, one of the things that Tim Cook said in in the uh, earnings call was that people prefer something that you can do everything with. You can watch Netflix, you can read, you can play games, you can run all these different apps. How many are there? 170,000 iPad apps? Just for the iPad, of course, you could run any of the 550,000 iApps in the center of the screen. So there's a lot of things you can do on an iPad that you cannot do on one of these e-readers. But what was left between the lines in my mind was if you did have a 7-inch iPad, it would, of course, have 1024 by 768 resolution. Apps wouldn't need to be modified. Everything that ran on the big brother would run on the little one. And so it's it's really kind of a a misleading statement to say that by inference, a 7-inch device is not full-featured. A 7-inch iPad would be, and it would be a lovely device. Except, of course, what Steve Jobs had said, which we can believe or not believe, is that the usability quotient wouldn't be there, wouldn't be as easy to navigate on the 7 inches on the 9.7 because it's 40% of the screen real estate. I, I think Steve was just buying time. The company hadn't decided. They wanted to see how the iPad was going to do. They felt that the 9.7 was the right thing to do. Now, 
Amazon has come along and shown that, you know, a nice little seven inch reader for reading and watching movies and easily held in one hand by a kid or by a young woman uh, spouse is very easy to hold and is uh, easy to put in the purse or a briefcase. Uh, doesn't hurt your arm. It's it's a seven inch iPad would be a wonderful little device. And, and, and plus, it's it's a wedge. As I've written before, uh, it, it shows that there's a little bit of a weak spot in Apple's lineup. Now, sure, Amazon may have only sold 2 million of them versus Apple's 15.4 million. But if you're Apple, you're thinking, here's a company that's uh, dr- opened up a door, driven a truck through it, provided their customers with a wonderful tool to buy all their wares. And we saw from the education briefing that Apple would very much like to sell a lot more books and a lot more textbooks. And now this company, that's their big competitor, has come along and, and, and driven a wedge into their technology and basically stole a billion dollars from them in Christmas time and, and given the Amazon customers a wonderful way to buy content. And I don't think you can just ignore that. I think you've got to meet the challenge. Well, that's a good question to see where Apple's going to go and whether there will be a 7-inch iPad in the future. I should remind you this portion of the Tech Night Owl Live was brought to you by ReggieAshworth.com, publishers of such apps as VidConvert. You know, VidConvert makes it easy for you to convert audio and video files. It's just as easy as drag and drop to set up VidConvert to change that file into the most popular audio or video format that will work great on your Mac, your iPhone, and iPad and other gadgets. You can check ReggieAshworth.com. That's ReggieAshworth.com. To download your copy of VidConvert, we've gotten John Martellaro of the Mac Observer coming up again on the next segment of the Tech Night Out Live. Say, wouldn't it be great if that computer keyboard sitting on your desk also worked with your iPhone? Sending a text message would be lightning fast. This is exactly the idea behind the Matthias One keyboard for iPhone and Mac. You just need to experience it once to see how incredibly fast and convenient it really is. It's also available for the PC and BlackBerry. Visit onekeyboard.com slash TNO. Once again, onekeyboard.com slash T-N-O. You know, we develop trust in the people we know, but we don't really know someone we can see. That's why I recommend GoToMeeting with HD Faces. It's a simple online meeting service. It's GoToMeeting by Citrix. All it takes is a webcam and a click to instantly collaborate. You can start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. You can try it free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Are you wondering about your retirement portfolio? Are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of the International Forecaster. When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? For a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, Subscribe now at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's 877-479-8178. 
sure, there are winter specials. And then there are super winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Battle through this cold and flu season with powerful, natural, and safe flu fighters like elderberry power, oregacillin, olive leaf capsules, grapefruit seed extract, and Resper 8. All specially priced during the winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Don't forget vitamin D3 this winter. Right now, HerbalHealer.com has 120 soft gels, 1,000 IUs, sale priced at only $9. We also have a super winter special on six homeopathic liquid detoxes, whole body detox, liver detox, kidney detox, lymph detox, brain detox, and lung detox. All liquid detoxes, regularly $26.95, are now just $20. HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on now and save big when you hit the winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time. Since 1988. Have you ever seen a U.S. postage stamp featuring Abraham Lincoln, Ben Franklin, or George Washington? If you're into stamp collecting, you know it's a fun, affordable hobby. America's leading stamp dealer is the Mystic Stamp Company, and they want you to have their free 140-page color catalog. Go to mysticstampad.com, the website of the Mystic Stamp Company, serving stamp collectors since 1923. Mystic Stamp is well-known in the industry for its experience, superior customer service, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Go to mystic-stampad.com to request your free 140-page U.S. stamp color catalog packed with collecting tips, special offers, color photos, and over 4,600 available stamps. Call 800-433-7811 or go to mysticstampad.com. That's 800-433-7811 and ask for your free U.S. stamp catalog or mysticstampad.com. Mystic Stamp Company, America's leading stamp dealer. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightall.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightall.com. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, and we're discussing Apple's financials. And John maintains, and he's certainly entitled to his opinion, and certainly he has a lot of basis to assert an opinion, that Apple should be producing a 7-inch version of the iPad. And the question is, with rumors now that there is an iPad 3 in production, will Apple do it now or will they do it later on, maybe as an accompanying device in the summer or fall? Well, I think Apple traditionally uh, has set itself up for a major iPad release in the March and April timeframe. There's a good reason for that. People are expecting it. It's one year from the last release. It gives them the time they need for the upgrades. And it evens out the cash flow for that second quarter, which Apple likes to do. On the other hand, and people have been saying that Apple's going to come out with a a 7-inch in the spring and do the big one in the fall. I think it's the reverse. I think, of course, they'll do their their new iPad 3 in March and April as we expect. And I think they'll wait and see how much traction the uh, the Kindle Fire is getting, how much perceived loss in sales Apple's making on books and, and textbooks and, and other products, uh, streaming video and so on, and, and plan for uh, a 7-inch iPad at the holidays, 2012, and meet the uh, 
the uh, Kindle challenge head on because you know what's going to happen. That Kindle fire is just the first camel nose under the tent. There will be better, faster, cooler, cheaper Kindle fires, Kindle flame maybe next Christmas, you know, where the, the, the kindling is now turned into a bonfire and Apple doesn't want that to happen. Well, one big issue here, of course, is what perception they have of the Kindle Fire demand. Now, I understand the Kindle Fire. The Kindle Fire was cheap for one reason, which is the basic shape is derived from the BlackBerry Playbook, probably built in the same plant. It's just cheapened. Apparently, they took out some stuff on it. Isn't that the basic perception of this? You know, that's the first time I've heard uh, anything about. Uh, manufacturing source or, or similarities. Uh, I don't remember right offhand what the screen resolutions are, whether, they, whether they're using the same technology, the LCD screen, and if it's the same resolution. Sorry, I'm just not, don't have the numbers in front of me. Well, it doesn't really matter. The point being, of course, that obviously Amazon made it very bare bones. They didn't have the camera, but then the first iPad didn't either. Obviously, in order to get something to market, they use an older version of the Android OS and built their interface atop that older version. There were complaints about performance. I suppose they addressed them with an update. There was an online update to fix some problems. But then you find that's interesting here is that in Google Android land, getting an update for anything is a miracle. At least Amazon respected the fact that maybe they had a product that had some problems and they tried to fix it. I read an article the other day that Google is not very upset with Amazon in that uh, the, the uh, Android, what is it, 2.3.5 that's used it's in the 2. Kindle Fire? 2.3, I believe. Yeah, is, is, is submersed and, uh, and Amazon has put its own user interface on top of it basically obscuring anything about Android underneath Amazon. The article I read, and I believe it, you know, it's taking the long view that, you know, the more Android devices out there, the better, and it's good for, it's good for Google. But how is uh, it good for Google? Because it's not giving Google the clicks they need to pay their revenue. It is not obviously an Android device. I mean, you look at it and you work with it, you're not going to think Android, Droid or something. You're going to think Amazon. Well, now that's true, but they have a large corporate partner, and when you have a large corporate partner like Amazon, who knows what possibilities could come up in the future? Possibly. I guess we'll have to see the successor. You know, what's the next Kindle Fire going to be like? Well, the yeah. Uber 10-inch version they're talking about. What's that oh, well, going to be like? Because that's, that's the one that goes head on against <clears throat> the iPad. There you go. That's exactly the point. Once you get your foot in the door and once you have some success – you tend to, to build on that. And I think the prevailing consensus is, from what I've seen is, is that the Kindle Fire will somehow stay static and the Apple will forge ahead with the iPad 3. I don't think so. I think uh, Amazon's got big plans for the future, including maybe, like you said, another iPad to take some of the wind out of uh, Apple sales. Yes, but the real intention of that product still has to be we're selling it like the printer company sells a printer to sell the stuff that comes with it. We want you to go to Amazon and buy things. We want you to buy that printer to buy things. Because if you're building something at or below cost, which is what the perception is, the only profit in it for you is what you buy to accompany it. Yeah, that's a business decision that Amazon has to make. And I, I think as they get smarter and build future devices, they'll learn how to make a little bit of money on the device instead of losing a little money. 
But I think the from the 30,000 foot view, you know, Apple hasn't been doing itself any favors lately with uh, its onerous uh, 30% cut. And while some companies jump on that bandwagon and manage to make money, other companies are a little more sanguine and saying, let's figure out a way to get around that. Of course, Amazon gets around that. You know, we know how they do it. They take the 100% on their site and then they download to your iPad on the Kindle reader. So Amazon has to think in, in terms of, you know, not only making money on the device, but also building an infrastructure that lures readers and publishers to them instead of to the iPad. And any hardware they sell has to support that agenda. And certainly competition is good for the industry. I mean, all the Android tablets have failed miserably. Everybody else's tablet has failed miserably. If Amazon's business plan really does make a dent against Apple, Apple's going to respond. They're not going to sit there taking it down. That's right. Like I said, Apple may have lost a billion dollars that they could have had at Christmas, and they don't like that. That pisses them off. (laughs) We have to see what really happens. I mean, obviously, Tim Cook is as disciplined as any executive can possibly be. He has his spiel down pat. He knows what to say. He knows the proper spin to present. So certainly if Apple did perceive they were losing a small number of sales, they do something about it. But I think maybe they're also looking for the possible future. Is the fire a flash in the pan? Will it sustain itself over the next couple of quarters? They'll know. Maybe Amazon won't release the exact figures, but Apple and the rest of the industry are going to know exactly what's happening. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, Amazon's game to lose. They've got a uh, cute, uh, usable device. Um, well, some people think it's poorly made and it's it's cheap. Of course, it is only a two hundred dollar device. But if they manage it right, I think the Amazon can really run with this game. Like you it's said, it's still the question though. What is their goal? Apple's goal is to sell iPads. And the apps are the icing on the cake. That's what keeps it going, keeps the ecosystem going. Amazon's goal is to sell enough product to deliver a meaningful yeah, increase it, in the sales at Amazon's storefront. It's basically, it's basically a commerce device. I mean, if you buy an iPad and you never install anything but free apps or just use Apple's apps, the iPad is fully functional and does a lot of things. Now, the Kindle Fire is somewhat less so because there are less apps for it. But still, Amazon has to think what is helping their bottom line to sell more goods and services. We've got John Martellero of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. When it comes to running a successful business, there are many things you have to get right. But one thing is often overlooked, and that's protecting the data that powers your business. Computers, servers, external hard drives, and even tape backups are vulnerable to failure. In the U.S. alone, over 140,000 hard drives fail each and every week. According to one study, only 7% of companies that lose their data centers for 10 days or more survive beyond the year. So I want to tell you about our friends at Mosey. The 
most trusted name in online backup. Give our friends at Mosey a call. They've been doing this for a long time and run the most secure, most trusted online backup service. Right now, you could save 15% by using the promo code PODCAST15. That's PODCAST15. Call 877-669-9776. That's 877-669-9776. Or visit MoseyPro.com. That's M-O-Z-Y Pro.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all-natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today Hi folks, Jason Lewis here. Did you know USA Today reports that nearly 20% of parents plan to take a second job to pay bills and support their families? Well, bravo, I applaud responsibility. But I have a far better idea, a way for you to stay home and earn that second income to pay bills or get ahead financially. I recommend starting your own internet-based home business through IncomeAtHome.com. They can help you start earning money fast. No selling soap, no cold calling, and no pressure. No matter your age, education, or experience, you can do this in the comfort of your home. They provide the coaching and they bring potential customers to your home computer. You can literally earn money from your kitchen table. And you know, I recommend IncomeAtHome.com to all of my listeners. So visit IncomeAtHome.com and check out the $1,000 giveaway. That's IncomeAtHome.com. Don't forget to tell them Jason Lewis sent you. That's IncomeAtHome.com, IncomeAtHome.com, IncomeAtHome.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. We have to wonder how far Apple can go before their growth curve levels off. We're seeing now, for example, 
On the Mac front, Mac sales still increasing. Tim Cook says there was some or was some cannibalization, but more from the PC side. So PC sales flattening, reduced. Microsoft is suffering. How does Microsoft combat Apple? Well, Tim Cook had some amazingly complimentary things to say about Microsoft during the earnings report. He did not dismiss Microsoft. He's not underestimating Windows Phone. Uh, he pointed out that the, the guys up in Redmond uh, always suit up and always fight the war. That was when he was asked if uh, it was just a two-horse race between uh, Android and iOS. And, and Tim Cook wouldn't fall into that overconfident assessment. I don't think he Especially ever does. He sounds like he's maybe putting on a little bit of bombast. But also Apple and Microsoft well, seem to be getting along fairly well these days. Yeah, that's not the uh, that's not the big war. Uh, the war is Apple versus Amazon and Apple versus Google. Exactly. So uh, Apple can be very sanguine about Microsoft because that's not the problem. That's not the target. Microsoft has their own problems. Microsoft has to find a way to make Windows Phone, make Windows 8 credible contenders. And right now, I don't know. From what I hear about Windows 8, yawn. Right, and the numbers that I have seen for Windows Phone market share are declining instead of growing. So um, even though Tim Cook refused to underestimate Microsoft, um, those uh, companies that, that report numbers and do analysis um, have been, I think, unnecessarily optimistic about the future of, of Microsoft. Um, sure, Windows 8 will run on ARM, um, but, um, and sure, Microsoft has access to a rich library of, of media that they're providing on the Xbox, but somehow Microsoft hasn't seemed to have been able to get its act together. And I think Microsoft is also overconfident that they can come out with Windows 8 and ARM tablets in 2012 and 2013 and catch up. What we've seen in technology is, is that if you don't get out of the gate real fast, it's really hard to catch up. So um, I'm not real optimistic that Microsoft can, uh, can catch up. Well, that's why I have my Microsoft Death Watch. Remember, we used to have the Apple Death Watch. <laughs> I have a Microsoft Death Watch column that I do over at TechNightOwl.com, folks. If you like Microsoft, you can come over there and send me hate messages. You can join the crowd. But, yeah, I have that because I'm saying that on the long haul, we're going to see Microsoft declining unless they figure it out. You know, unless they get their acts together and figure out what's going on, they're going to have a problem. Let's focus on another thing here. Now, let me start with this scenario. And I've talked about it before. When the iPad first came out, I thought textbooks. And I think of my son Grayson and certainly anyone's children. You see them weighed down with... 60-pound backpacks. I mean, you see these little kids running around with these thick backpacks. You wonder about their spines, their backs. What's happening back there? Do they get slipped discs? Do chiropractors feel they're earning a lot of money from all the treatments? What happens? So therefore, we wondered after the iPad first came out in the spring of 2010, when are we going to see textbook implementation? iBooks 2 did it. What do you think, John? Well, to be fair, uh, there were companies that were providing digital textbooks before Apple jumped on the bandwagon. Sure, so to speak. but this is where it was intended to go mass. 
mass market. Yeah, and I wrote an article about this um, a few days ago called The History Won't Be Kind to Apple and Textbooks. You know, Apple normally takes its 30% cut of media published on the uh, the iPad and iOS. I think that's uh, it's a reasonable amount in some cases. What struck me was the soberness of Phil Schiller. He felt like the... Uh, he was shouldering a great burden. That education was in Apple's DNA, and Apple was going to do something that nobody else was able to do, bring some coherence to the, the textbook publishing industry. And then after all of this uh, um, building up uh, of how important education is to our children in the future, uh, then we find out that there's some very onerous requirements that you that you uh, are compromised as an author on your copyright exclusivity, that uh, Apple's going to take its 30% cut. Um, yeah, and one reader said to me, well, the publishers are really greedy, you know, so it's it's, it's just fine that Apple takes its 30% cut. And, and I'm thinking, well, you know, does, does that mean that the government should uh, should should raise our taxes because you know if 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 they leave us too much money we'll be greedy with it. I earn my money and I should get to keep a lot of it and pay my fair share of taxes. And publishers should make some money and pay their fair share of taxes. And so arguing that Apple deserves the money more than the publishers is just pessimism and aggravation towards the book publishers because. You know, they've screwed over authors for so many years. But the other thing the publishers do is they work with the authors. There's an editor. He's typically an experienced textbook editor, somebody who's technically competent and deep. And he, he knows the subject matter such that when the authors make the silly mistakes that they tend to do in style or in mathematics or in terminology, that those, those get corrected. And the, the editor serves as a peer review kind of person who has a sense about whether this author knows what he's talking about. So it's okay for um, publishers uh, to work through this system and, and work with authors. What's annoying here is, is that Apple had a chance to completely refresh the industry and set a, a new stage and new groundwork to help uh, the entire industry and to help children and to help publishers get organized and jump on the bandwagon. And all they had to do was build the world's greatest tools, iBooks author, and run it on a Macintosh, which they do, not have any restrictions, let people publish their works, let people work through publishers. And if the iBook store is the right place to go, then it should stand on its own merits. But constraining the authors with this tool, which is pretty cool, to only publish through the iBookstore suggests a certain amount of perhaps a little bit of insensitivity towards the kids they're trying to help, a little bit of over-the-top greed in the area of textbooks, a missed opportunity for looking at the big picture, um, and, and, and a missed opportunity to be the, you know, the white knight who makes publishing uh, on Macintosh and iBook products great. If the iPad is great and the iBookstore is great, people will naturally flock to it to publish their products. And, but you have to think also there's a limit here that Apple has to consider. Apple has to consider the fact that they have to reach contracts with the textbook publishers, and they've reached contracts with three publishers that have 90% of the market. So that carries for a lot of weight. 
And, you know, a lot of times the content creators, the publishers, the entertainment industry, for example, they have to sign these deals. They're going to insist on certain provisions. Otherwise, they will not go for it. So that might be one of the considerations here that, yeah, maybe this isn't the best deal imaginable. Maybe Apple could have done better, but could they have done better with the existing publishers? If the publishers say, you do it this way, or we'll go this far and no further, that's what Apple has to do. There's a certain ambiguity here or a certain uh, lack of of sureness about where Apple's really going with this. Uh, I mentioned that it's good for authors to work with book editors and publishers. But on the other hand, I think there was this vision of disintermediation. Of course, when you work with those big publishers like Houghton Mifflin and, and Pearson, <laughs> there isn't much disintermediation going on. But That's because, of course, the, they run the industry. Right. But I know but I have a friend a certain- of mine who I do some work for, and he writes textbooks. He works with McGraw-Hill. And... He's going to do what they tell him. He has no options there. He's, as they say, hired help. we got John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Ready to save while getting prepared? Then you're ready for the winter sale at 21stCenturyGoods.com. Take advantage of the incredible savings on all items at 21stCenturyGoods.com. Portable AM, FM, and shortwave radios from 1995. American Red Cross emergency radios and Cato radios from 2895. Solar lanterns from 2295. Solar flashlights, two for 1695. Hand crank LED hurricane lanterns and flashlights from 895. Be sure to check out the flexible solar panel to power your emergency and survival gear. Every order over $75 will receive a solar-powered flashlight absolutely free. So get prepared this winter by visiting 21stCenturyGoods.com. Spelled the number 2, the number 1, S-T, CenturyGoods.com, 21stCenturyGoods.com. Or call 866-999-8422. That's 866-999-8422. 21stCenturyGoods.com. Power up your survival. Don't answer it. 
If fear strikes your heart when the phone rings, knowing it may be another bill collector, it's time for you to call Zero Debt in 90 Days, 800-477-9256. Settlements, bankruptcy, and attorneys are not the answer and may end up costing you up to 10 times more than necessary. Listen, if you're already in debt, does it make sense to get buried in another payment plan? Zero Debt in 90 Days gets you out of debt in 90 days guaranteed without a payment plan and without attorneys or going to court. Get the fastest relief from debt on the planet when you call 800-477-9256. If you have debt with the IRS, credit cards, student loans, or a foreclosure, we can help at Zero Debt in 90 Days, and we are the only organization to provide written guarantees on the results. Go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. Or call now for free information, 800-477-9256. That's 800-477-9256. Introducing a diabetes breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. Waiting for the side effects disclaimers? With MDS Forte, there are none. Order a 25-day treatment of MDS Forte by calling 213-405-5355. 213-405-5355. Or visit bestbloodsupport.com. That's bestbloodsupport.com for MDS Forte, a diabetes breakthrough. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. We're exploring Apple's iBooks 2 and maybe a few question marks in the way Apple has implemented this. Now, I did see a message posted at TechNightOwl.com in response to my article about how the backs of children were being saved by Apple and the textbook publishers. And that person said, well, you know what? The first group of textbooks, they have a lot of errors. But the one thing that's nice about it is if those errors turned up in printed books, it would be a very expensive proposition to do them and fix them. If it's just in something that's digital, you know, it maybe takes a few hours to fix it and repost it. Well, typos are not what uh, I'm concerned with right now. What I'm what I'm concerned with is is uh, a, a future in which um, the academic professionalism of textbooks, uh, the the selection of of uh, accomplished and capable and authoritative authors is slightly undermined. Uh, that the rush into the digital world will, as it has in some cases in the internet. Um, uh, result in too many voices uh, in the mad rush to uh, to get digital textbooks out, and as a result, they'll they'll be um, uh, a sort of a dilution of the authority authoritativeness of uh, traditional authors, and that a lot of people will get textbooks published uh, maybe on their own. Um, without going through a publisher that haven't been vetted properly. 
Uh, well, of course, that if you can post me. your own, if you're a college professor or a teacher and you can author your own textbooks to publish over in iBooks too, well, yeah, there could be a quality issue there. But that's up to the school. The school hires that professor and he's putting up his own textbooks. It's their right to say, well, this isn't acceptable. Use this one instead. That's true. But then... But the question I worry about is, is uh, suppose you have uh, a college professor who wants to publish a book. Uh, he wants to go through Apple Bookstore. He, he develops a really comprehensive book, and then there's something that Apple doesn't like about his book, and then he gets bounced, and he isn't able to publish it. And there's but, no editor, you, but then, there's of no course, does of Apple book. assert that kind of control? It's yeah, not like well, the App Store. Stay. They yeah. say in the EULA, we have the right to refuse to publish your book. Sure, and but will they be as proactive about it? I mean, obviously, when the App Store, they're being very proactive well, in prohibiting it, certain apps. But when it comes to books... In the App Store, Apple has tools. They have software tools. Um, software will scan the source code and, and look for malicious code, code that has backdoors, code that phones home. Um, code that does things that are against Apple policies. And so um, a Apple employee can very quickly run this software against the source code, size it up, run it, you know, go through his mechanics and pretty well figure out that the app is safe. But when a textbook author, and we know how divisive uh, things are, you know, in, in terms of evolution and intelligent design and uh, in science and technology, uh, where Apple employee is now faced with the prospect of deciding whether this textbook is going to be published or not, and there's no editor to talk to. But even then, will Apple assert that authority? Isn't that the province of the school district, the province of the principal of the school, the province of the school boards, the local authorities? They're going to decide what textbooks to have, and Apple can have any textbook they want there. But that textbook is not going to be in that school system unless the local authorities and management approve it. If they approve it and they want to teach children all about intelligent design and creationism, unfortunately, that's going to happen. We're going to get into an argument now, of course, but we had one listener who once said, because we didn't believe the Earth was 6,000 years old, he would no longer listen to the Tech Night Out Live. So what can I tell you? Well, you know, you might have school-at-home people who decide to buy their own textbooks, or you might have a kid who, um, because of his training um, education, doesn't like the school's textbook, so he buys a supplemental one. You know, Phil Schiller made a big thing about how when you buy these textbooks, you know, you own them. So a lot of students may go off and they may buy another book that the, the school district doesn't approve of, that they can just buy directly from the Apple bookstore. Well, perhaps and, they can get one now. You know, there are ways of getting textbooks without yeah, but when going it's digital and it's, when it's digital and it's cheap, it just opens the door to a lot of unsupervised uh, wackery. Uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not convinced yet that this, this kinks are worked out of the system. On well, this. this is something like the way the App Store was. The App Store had some very general, not always published rules when it first came out. Apple finally came up with terms and conditions. There's still a lot of gray area, but the gray area is not as severe now as it was a couple of years ago. It's a learning experience. Apple has to know where they can go, how far they can go in prohibiting applications. Look at the Mac App Store. There are lots of apps that can't go on there 
because they require you doing that's, things with a system. Right, and that's a reasons. pretty difficult yeah. problem. But ultimately, with developers, that's going to work out in the system because Apple's goal in the end is not to curate the software. It is to have a reliable ecosystem that serves the majority of their users and to sell hardware. So in the end, if developers are lining up saying, we can't get our products in there, it's causing a mess, it's some apps are there, some apps are not, Apple will work something out. I, you know, I think it's just a lost opportunity for Apple because, as you said, what's going to happen is that some textbooks will be bounced. There will be a lot of grousing. Uh, there will be grousing that Apple's uh, taking 30%. Uh, companies will uh, crop up to take advantage of that. Uh, basically, Apple's created a new cottage industry now for uh, tablets that have textbooks that don't take 30%. Uh, some company may come along and find an open door in Apple's uh, strategy the way Amazon did. And, and instead of uh, appealing to people in terms of the popularity of what Apple's doing and the greatness of their products, and the development tools, Apple has sort of in a sort of a hunkered down kind of way decided, you know, we're going to control this. There's restrictions on where you can publish this. We're going to take 30%. And that just isn't, in, in my mind and a lot of other people's minds, a vision for a company that's trying to totally revamp the education market. But you it's, understand it's, what Apple had to do with iTunes in making deals with the movie companies and making deals with the music companies, they had to accept certain terms and restrictions. To get the textbook makers on board, very likely they had to accept certain limitations and terms and conditions that therefore have to extend to other publishers, even if it's just a one-off. So you think maybe Houghton Mifflin told Apple that... Well, if we're going to sign the deal, yeah. You know, you want these 900-pound gorillas, Houghton Mifflin, McGraw-Hill, you want these people like Pearson, etc., you want them on board, you have to accept certain conditions, certain concessions. And that's the only price of admission. Apple we see it with the movie. With I mean, look at the way burned. that you buy and rent movies. Look at what happened with getting, of course, TV shows from the Apple TV where you could rent TV shows. That's gone. Now you have to buy the shows. All this stuff, all these conditions, like with DRM for music before Apple convince the music industry to drop digital rights management. All of this was concessions to get them on board. You Basically what Apple does is they give a few inches, sign them up, and then over time they persuade them to loosen the restrictions. That's so, what you're going to see. So I think whatever you see now is version so you're saying that 1. the restriction that, that iBooks author can only publish to the iBooks store was something that Apple... I honestly don't know. They may to, have just felt it's publishers? the same, same difference if you have Apple's tools for building Mac apps. It only works on a Mac. It's no good anywhere else. If you have tools, for example, to build software for game consoles. Right. Well, you Why know, are you developing those kinds for? Of you're developing for music one product. And TV, it's the same it's thing. Some, it's something that is, you know, you can take it or leave it. It's, it's Movies are optional. Music is optional. It's something that you can have if you want. But when it comes to textbooks, the same kind of business as usual leaves a sour taste in some people's mouth. Of course. But in the end, let's see how it works out in the marketplace. If it becomes successful, Apple will continue it. If they are forced kicking and screaming to make a change, <laughs> they'll make a change. It's all about 
staying number one in market cap, staying the number one tech industry on the planet and making lots of money. John Martellaro, where do we find more of your stuff with or without digital rights management? I am senior editor for analysis and reviews at the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get. And John Martellaro, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. It was great to see you once again. Thank you very much. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Ross Rubin of the NPD Group, and he has a new position. He's Executive Director of NPD Connected Intelligence. And I was thinking, Ross, CIA, MI6, <laughs> what are we talking about here? Uh, it's a little less uh, clandestine than, uh, than that. Um, Connected Intelligence is, is a new uh, business within NPD, uh, which, uh, as you know from our prior discussions, tracks a whole, um, a whole range of different uh, products, sales, uh, PCs, tablets, smartphones, uh, and also many of the content uh, uh, options being used on these uh, products. So the idea was to uh, create a, a research service or a set of research services uh, that look at the confluence of connected devices, access, and content, and how they all interplay uh, with each other. So uh, that is uh, part of what's, uh, what's driving the research in this new group. So how does that relate to the information that businesses and consumers get? Well, it's, it's very closely related. Uh, what, uh, what, what we're doing in, in the group is really... Um, uh, taking a lot of the core sales research of NPD uh, and also doing a lot of our own research uh, in terms of uh, consumers' adoption of mobile broadband and Wi-Fi uh, and uh, the kinds of tasks and activities that they're doing uh, on these devices. Uh, we're looking at uh, the cannibalization um, uh, between, say, smartphones and digital cameras or smartphones and portable navigation units uh, and looking at why consumers tend to prefer one versus the other. So uh, clearly uh, for our clients, there's 
uh, insights to be gained uh, around future product plans uh, and how they can better compete um, in certain categories of products uh, or if perhaps uh, the time has come to exit certain categories of products. So should we tell that research in motion that maybe they have to exit a few product categories? Well, they're not in too many. <laughs> uh, really well, I know that. Too. By the way, I want to say this before we basically rag on research in motion if we're going to do that. And that is that we have applied to have both our radio shows, the Tech Night Out Live and the Paracast, included in the BlackBerry directory of ah. podcasts. Okay. okay. So after this segment and the next one, which we're going to do with Avram Pilch at Laptop Magazine, guess what? They're not going to accept it anymore, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I, I can't speak to the uh, editorial independence of that catalog, but um, I, I think there's a good chance that they would probably carry it. <laughs> well, we would certainly hope that the editorial department is separate from the business department. But seriously <laughs> speaking here, let's look. Now that we know what you do, let's look at what's going on. And let's start with that. The co-chairman, founders of Research in Motion, they discharged themselves. They finally mm -hmm. gave it up. And we've got a new person taking over, but that person isn't changing strategies seriously. What am I missing? Well, this, uh, you know, you, you really um, summarized uh, the, the, the way that the change has taken place, which is that uh, um, the, the co-CEOs of, of RIM, uh, Mike Lazaridis and uh, Jim Balsili, um, voluntarily stepped down. Now, last year, uh, we had a situation at Nokia uh, where we saw many of the same um, dynamics at play. You know, we had a company that has been a leader in the smartphone space, um, one with an aging operating system, uh, another one in transition, uh, losing market share uh, in their core markets. Uh, and, and what the board decided to do was uh, make, make a shift and, and bring in an outsider uh, for the CEO position. Uh, RIM, on the other hand, uh, chose uh, their CEO, COO, Thorsten Hines, to, uh, to become the new CEO. And as you mentioned, you know, he's uh, sticking to the fundamental uh, battle plan that uh, his predecessors uh, had, had established. Um, that obviously reflects uh, great belief in, in the strength and potential uh, of the next generation BlackBerry operating system, and uh, and and the trade-offs, uh, and a willingness to to accept the trade-offs that it will entail. You know, it's interesting here, though. You know, when Steve Jobs took over at Apple back yes. in what 1997, he threw out everything. It's not working. Let's fix things. We have research in motion. Things are not working. Their share of the smartphone market is going down. They haven't been able to break into the tablet market. Things aren't working. The co-founders voluntarily stepped down, but we're going to continue as things are. It's kind of like Meg Whitman over at HP. HP. So Meg Whitman says, okay, well, there are PC sales now. We're going to keep the PC division. We're going to continue pretty much on track otherwise, and we're going to make WebOS open source. So where's the change? Where's the vision? What am I missing? The, the um, you know, again, when, when Steve Jobs came back to Apple, uh, you know, it is um, incredible to think about, given the uh, phenomenal financial results, record financial results the company uh, announced for the last quarter. But 
um, you know, if you remember those times, and I know you do, Gene, uh, the company was was almost out of business. You know, they were losing a lot of money. They were running out of money. Uh, the same way Palm was actually when HP uh, acquired them. Uh, Apple was entertaining uh, acquisition offers. Uh, and uh, Apple was frankly in worse shape <laughs> uh, back in 1997 than, than Rim is in now. You know, Rim is, uh, Rim is still profitable uh, and, uh, you know, le- less profitable than, than it has been, uh, but can use that money to invest uh, in, uh, uh, in, in its next generation operating system. Um, you know, the real, uh, I think it really comes down to a trade off. Um, uh, which, which was my earlier uh, comment, uh, you know, contrasting with what Nokia did last year, Nokia said, you know, it's really important for us to adopt an operating system that we believe is going to have very strong developer support, and we're putting our future in the hands of Microsoft, which we know is going to invest heavily uh, to attract developers to the platform has a strong history of uh, develop of attracting developers to its platforms uh, of Windows and Xbox, you know, and uh, and clearly has uh, you know many strong core assets, um, including cash, frankly, you know that that uh, it can bring uh, to uh, to the table. Now, my um, skeptical comment about Nokia was the fact that this decision to line up with Microsoft was made by somebody who came to the company who was a former executive at Microsoft. And, and there was clearly a lot of criticism about that. ELOP has uh, addressed those concerns and at least has publicly stated that, you know, this was not his decision alone. He may have been the final decision maker, but he, you know, there were uh, numerous articles where he talked about how he, you know, interviewed many people inside of Nokia and took a look at the state of, uh, of Migo, uh, which had been, uh, where where they had been going now, you can disagree uh, about the potential of Migo, um, but you uh, you also have to recognize that Nokia was able to negotiate uh, a very strong deal with uh, with Windows Phone with with Microsoft for Windows Phone. Now, if Windows Phone fails, um, in retrospect, it will not look like such a good deal. But but what um, Nokia effectively negotiated. Uh, was uh, the best of both worlds. You know, in adopting Windows Phone, it differentiates from all the Android uh, handsets out there. But unlike other Windows Phone licensees, it has the ability to do whatever it wants with Windows Phone. Uh, So it is differentiating from both uh, Android licensees and other Windows Phone So basically here, Nokia is first among equals when it comes to Windows Phone. So the thing I would wonder about here is, if I'm HTC or another company that makes Windows Phone products, and I'm looking at, obviously, the favoritism being thrown the way of Nokia, the money being thrown the way of Nokia, I'm going to sit back and say, wait a minute, why am I investing in this platform? First of all, I'm not selling that many smartphones anyway. Let Nokia have it all to themselves. I'll stick with Android. I'm making money from Android, yeah, I guess I'm paying Microsoft a licensing fee and I'm being sued by Apple, but, you know, maybe I'm doing better that way. We have Ross Rubin of the NPD Group who will answer that convoluted, crazy question, (laughs) as he always does on the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins. 
a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hi, Mike Penz with Midas Resources Incorporated, senior monetary specialist. With foreign countries going bankrupt and states within the United States going bankrupt, not to mention all the Ponzi schemes in the marketplace, do you think your money and investments are safe? Of course not. Call me, Mike Penz, 1-800-686-2237, extension 181. I can help answer any questions you have about protecting your money, whether it be personal possession or holding precious metals in an IRA. Gold carries a 6,000-year history that is the only real and lasting money in the world. Paper currencies have come and gone. Governments have toppled. The world map has changed many times, and yet gold still thrives in almost every country. Gold is the ultimate store of wealth. Central banks continue to maintain reserves of gold. Common sense begs the question, why? Let me help you answer that question. Call me, Mike Pence, 1-800-686-2237, extension 181. Call now, and I will send you free information on precious metals. Call Mike Pence, 1-800-686-2237, extension 181. Folks, have you lost your power and wanted to simply flip a switch to get the lights back on? If so, this is going to be the most important message you'll ever hear. Because there's never been a better time to get ready for the winter power outages ahead. Here's why. Solar power generators are now available from our friends at Solutions from Science, one of our oldest sponsors. Their emergency backup systems provide life-saving electrical power when you need it most. Unlike gas generators, a solar generator runs quietly, emits no fumes, and produces electricity from the sun. It's like having an electric power plant running quietly in your own home. Whether it's ice storms, brownouts, or blackouts, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. When the power goes out this winter, you'll be ready with a solar power generator from Solutions from Science. Go to MySolarBackup.com for more information. That's MySolarBackup.com or call 877-327-0365. George Washington said, Government is not reason. It is not eloquence. It is force, like fire. It is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. America's government is no longer the servant of the people and the protector of our liberty, but has become that fearful master. We the people must understand the nature of this government gone awry if we are to be successful in saving our country. America is being deliberately destroyed by a cabal of international gangsters so that she can be forced into subjugation to a one-world government. The God-given, unalienable rights of the Declaration of Independence are in jeopardy. We must not let them be stolen by ambitious and evil men. Utopia Silver Supplements believes it is our God-given right to make our own health care decisions however we deem best. If we can help you with your supplement needs and better health, then help us win this health freedom battle. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A silver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. Again, 888-213-4338. 
want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. Ross Rubin of the NPD Group joining us, and we posed him a rather complicated question, which is, of course, in the smartphone space, Microsoft makes a deal with Nokia, first among equals for Windows Phone. They throw money the way of Nokia, I guess, for promotion, development, etc. Now we have other Windows Phone licensees, like, for example, HTC. So what does HTC do? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a great question, particularly for HTC, which has done uh, a lot of user interface work uh, on top of Android that it now cannot bring to Windows Phone. So what is its differentiation? Well, you know, first of all, uh, there are different markets around the world, and Nokia has not been particularly strong uh, in the United States. Uh, obviously, it hopes to improve its position in the U.S., uh, but at least today, you know, it, it uh, and for some time it has had very low share, whereas uh, Samsung and HTC, uh, both Windows Phone licensees, have had stronger share. So, you know, there's also the argument that Nokia is also pouring resources into Windows Phone, uh, which will uh, ultimately help the overall ecosystem. So that is also part of Microsoft's uh, message to uh, other licensees, you know. If you're Samsung, you know, you have uh, ties in the supply chain to components, processors, uh, displays uh, that will help you in the marketplace regardless of which uh, operating system you choose. Uh, but, um, but particularly for an HTC, uh, you know, which is a much smaller player, you know, Microsoft can simply <laughs> tell them, you know, look, you're, you're no Nokia. You know, you don't have the market share of Nokia. You don't have the global reach of Nokia so and you're you know you don't have the assets of uh, of Nokia in terms of uh, navtech um, uh, all the uh, all the geographic location information and mapping technology uh, so this is why we have essentially made the exception and you know just because they've made this deal with Nokia doesn't mean that they may not make different kinds of deals with other companies moving forward uh, I guess that's sort of the silver lining. Uh, which is that if Nokia, if Microsoft was willing to make an exception for Nokia, uh, perhaps over time uh, they will be willing to make exceptions for other licensees uh, as well. And the other issue would be if Windows Phone still goes nowhere, they're going to have to make concessions. And let's look at this Nokia's last quarterly report again: losses. They 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 did ship um, a million Lumia devices, so. You know, that is their first foray uh, into Windows Phone. And, you know, of course, they're now just launching in the U.S. with the um, $50 uh, Lumia 710 on T-Mobile uh, and soon the uh, the flagship, uh, the 900, uh, coming to, uh, to AT&T. Uh, and there are rumors that that device may be uh, aggressively priced as well. So here's, I guess, the biggest point of all. We see how Apple has made further inroads in the smartphone market. They sold $37 million the last quarter. They stopped the gap in the U.S. between Android and the iOS. They're about equal now, according to some of the surveys I've seen. According to NPD's research, uh, Apple had 
43% uh, of the smartphone market in October, November, uh, after launching on Sprint. Uh, Android was, was still a few percentage points ahead, uh, but we'll see if that momentum continues. And the other thing is here is AT&T has their profit loss report showing that, what, 80% of the smartphones they activated last quarter were iPhones. Uh, AT&T is in a very strong position uh, because not only does it have uh, the iPhone 4 and 4S, but it still has the legacy 3GS uh, handset uh, that it can now um, uh, offer for free. So uh, that's one of the advantages it has uh, versus the other carriers. Uh, Also, because the iPhone does not yet support LTE, uh, it can't take advantage of the fastest network speeds that Verizon can offer. Uh, but it can achieve faster network speeds uh, on AT&T via its uh, HSPA Plus network. So, um, you know, when Verizon first got the iPhone, um, a lot of people said it's it's curtains uh, for AT&T, but AT&T has uh, competed very well uh, in, in the iPhone market. And all this despite getting bad ratings for their service and support. Uh, all of the carriers bring something to the table. You know, Verizon uh, brings a, um, uh, a reputation for network excellence and coverage, and Sprint, uh, of course, has been um, uh, marketing on unlimited uh, data plan pricing. And AT&T stock and trade, of course, is the fact that you can talk and consume data at the same time. Uh, yes, that, that's another uh, advantage that uh, uh, it has versus the CDMA networks of Verizon and Sprint. Let's look for a bit on Apple's financials, okay? And you're not the financial guy over at NPD, but this is something we can all look at and make some comments about. Now, Apple beat the analyst expectations after a bit of a blip in the horizon because people were waiting for a new iPhone and didn't buy as many in the previous quarter. So Apple's selling huge numbers of everything. So... Are they poised for a big fall in a couple of years? How can you maintain that momentum every year? Soon uh, Apple's basically going to have enough sales to buy the world. <laughs> uh, but, but we'll still keep its powder dry uh, for, uh, for the right opportunity. Um, uh, yes, I mean, up, up till now, uh, it, it uh, continues to make um, relatively small uh, acquisitions and, and grow organically. Uh, but uh, but yes, it was uh, an incredible quarter. You know, uh, a few things uh, helped to contribute to that. Uh, first of all, there, there was an extra week um, uh, in the quarter. Uh, uh, usually, the quarter is measured in twelve weeks. This one had thirteen weeks. Uh, in addition, you know, the 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 small dip uh, that you cited uh, in their financial Q4 of last year came roaring back uh, in Q1. Uh, with uh, this pent-up demand uh, for for iPhones. Uh, Again, it was the first time, really, the iPhone had been available on Sprint, uh, number three U.S. carrier. Uh, It was the first time we'd seen uh, iPhones given away for free on AT&T. And, you know, uh, the 4S did very well. There were a lot of consumers excited about Siri as a next-generation user interface. iPad 2 did very well. During the holiday, a very uh, very popular gift item, despite some of the concerns around competition from the Kindle Fire. You know, this is just a much more mature, capable product and uh, was uh, very successful during the holiday season. Now, there were published reports during the holiday season that Apple lost maybe one or two million sales of iPads to the Kindle Fire. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know Apple's not going to admit that. 
Tim Cook says he was watching the sales every week and it didn't seem as if it had an effect. Or maybe Apple would have sold 17 million iPads if there was no Kindle Fire. What's your perception? Well, certainly, you know, you're talking about a product that's that's much less expensive and somewhat less capable. Amazon does a great job uh, merchandising uh, the, the Kindle products on its website, which is um, the where where the majority of consumers buy uh, the Kindle products, even though they are available now at, at other retailers. Sure, like Office um, Max. I got to see one play with one there. We have yeah. Ross Rubin of the NPD Group coming back again on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with a WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Have you ever seen a U.S. postage stamp featuring Abraham Lincoln, Ben Franklin, or George Washington? If you're into stamp collecting, you know it's a fun, affordable hobby. America's leading stamp dealer is the Mystic Stamp Company, and they want you to have their free 140-page colored catalog. Go to mysticstampad.com, the website of the Mystic Stamp Company, serving stamp collectors since 1923. Mystic Stamp is well-known in the industry for its experience, superior customer service, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Go to M-Y-S-T-I-C-Stampad.com to request your free 140-page U.S. stamp color catalog packed with collecting tips, special offers, color photos, and over 4,600 available stamps. Call 800-433-7811 or go to mysticstampad.com. That's 800-433-7811 and ask for your free U.S. stamp catalog or mysticstampad.com. Mystic Stamp Company, America's leading stamp dealer. If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with Bio Superfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered Bio Superfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The Bio Superfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. Bio Superfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no-brainer. Bio Superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family. Learn more and order your Bio Superfood formulas at BioAge.com. Spelled B-I-O-A-G-E.com. BioAge.com. Or call 877-288-9116. That's 877-288-9116. 
BioAge, the age of advanced organics. Emergency preparedness plans must include a fast way to start a fire. Fire up instantly with the revolutionary Quick Stove, a compact, lightweight, portable stove that's ready for cooking in less than one minute. Quick Stove, the safe, non-explosive fuel source that is an emergency preparedness essential. Quick Stove comes with four waterproof fuel cells that ignite in seconds, burn for up to 90 minutes each, can be lit and relit, and be stored indefinitely. At up to 18,000 BTUs, Quick Stove is ready to boil water in less than five minutes and burns hotter than most outdoor stoves. Now the best part. Quick Stove starts at only $34.99 and comes with a 100% satisfaction or your money back guarantee. Order today at quickstove.com or call 801-784-0225. That's 801-784-0225 or go to quickstove.com. Click on the discounts tab for multi-unit savings. Quick Stove, quite possibly the world's fastest outdoor fire. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. I'm Gene Steinberg. Our guest is Ross Rubin of the NPD Group, where he's involved in connected intelligence. And we understand that uh, Daniel Craig and James Bond are on the phone. He's going to do something there. All right, we were talking about the success of the Amazon Kindle Fire. So you're suggesting then that a great portion of those sales are going to people who are Amazon customers and just buy this as one of the things they buy from them. Yeah, I mean, if, if you uh, – well, certainly Amazon has said that it was, uh, I think, their best-selling and most wished-for uh, product of, of the holiday season. If, if you look at that product and the Barnes & Noble uh, color uh, products, uh, there's still a great opportunity for those companies to sell uh, into their base of avid readers. And a lot of those customers uh, may want a smaller device. Uh, reading books still works uh, very well on a six or seven inch display. Of course, it also works great on a, on a larger display. Uh, but, you know, uh, no doubt the Kindle Fire uh, and the Barnes & Noble Nook products, uh, the Color Nook products, the Nook Color and the Nook Tablet, ate into or took away some of the momentum of the monochrome products they had. Did they steal some iPad sales? Probably. You know, um, lower price products tend to cannibalize higher price products. So, you know, just as Tim Cook says, we've seen um, the iPad cannibalize some Mac sales. But the uh, other issue to pose here, Ross, is did Amazon end up basically eating their own dog food, cannibalizing their products as much or more than, say, an iPad? Well, they, you know, they responded, and both Barnes and Noble, and and they responded by lowering the price of the monochrome products. You know, so now, and and you know, yes, we're talking about somewhat different functionality and different, somewhat different usage scenarios. But you you can now get uh, monochrome products from those companies for a hundred dollars uh, or less. Uh, they've uh, been lowered to the point where. You know, perhaps uh, you're an iPad user, but you want to pick up one of these things for when you're uh, on a vacation or, you know, reading poolside in the summer uh, and you don't want to have to worry about sunlight glare. You know, ultimately, we'll have uh, display technology that works well in both scenarios, but uh, but it's not really here yet at at, at an affordable price. It raises the other issue. If the Kindle Fire continues to do reasonably well, after the holiday season, does that say to Apple, you know, 
maybe you're missing out a big portion of sales here. Swallow what Steve Jobs said about seven-inch tablets and get one out. <laughs> I think it's going to be a very difficult case to make to them. Um, in fact, clearly there's a whole range of, of sizes of tablets. Uh, and it seems that one of the strategies for other companies has been to uh, stay below Apple's radar by staying below their screen size. So, you know, we've seen the 9-inch tablets, 8-inch tablets, uh, and um, the other advantage of those products uh, is that it, it also helps them getting the price down, you know, as you have a smaller screen, uh, generally uh, speaking. So the iPad really shines for a, a couple of different tasks, uh, among them uh, web web browsing and magazine reading. Those are, when compared to, say, Kindle Fire, uh, tasks that just work much better uh, on a 10-inch display. Uh, I think web browsing, for example, is one of the reasons Apple probably keeps a, a 4 by 3 aspect ratio you know, to, to get in sort of more of a full page uh, kind of effect. So, you know, I'll, I'll never say never, uh, but, you know, the company has a lot of momentum right now in it uh, with, with that screen size, and it would probably require some additional design changes to, to accommodate a 7-inch screen size. The other issue, of course, is will Apple produce or continue to produce the iPad 2 when they introduce what we are calling the iPad 3 as the low-end leader? You know, maybe a 349, 399, people right. see, okay, I can get a Kindle Fire for 200 Another hundred and a half, I get an iPad. Right. Um, you know that that strategy, I, I think, uh, might might have uh, a lot of dividends. Uh, you know that that strategy might work well uh, for Apple. Um, uh, historically, though, they've only really kept products around last generation products uh, around in the carrier for the carriers. <laughs> uh, you know, they haven't done it with the iPod Touch, uh, really. Well, I, I suppose they have uh, for the iPod Touch. Uh, so with the iPad, um, there, there's uh, definitely an opportunity to, to, to do that. We're going to have to see where that plays out. Are you going to make a prediction whether Apple's going to have a retina display in the next iPad? I know NPD Group doesn't make predictions, but what about <laughs> Ross Rubin? We've, uh, you know, from, from what I've heard, those, those displays are still quite expensive. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the, uh, what the benefit really would be. Um, I mean, there, there seems to me to be more benefit to putting a Retina display on a smaller screen on, on the iPhone uh, because then you sort of get closer to the, the resolution of a, of a larger display uh, and, you know, developers can maybe leverage more assets between the two screens. I, you know, I think it comes down to cost, really. Uh, if Apple can put a high-resolution display in there and, you know, keep it at that five or six hundred dollar price point. Uh, then they'll probably move ahead with that. Um, and Apple, of course, then, buys more product than anybody else. They can corner markets. They could, you know, guarantee a supplier a certain right. number of products. Their margins <laughs> are increasing across the board. They may have the room there to absorb a few dollars extra for a display and still make a pretty good profit on the iPad. Uh, maybe, you know, and we've also seen with. Uh, this iBooks, uh, these iBooks products, uh, getting back to sort of the screen size question, another example of Apple really taking advantage uh, of the larger screen uh, of the iPad is, uh, in, in contrast to something like the Kindle Fire. We shall see. Let's move over to the Mac briefly here. Okay, Mac platform going up, Windows going down, Microsoft 
sold <laughs> what fewer Windows licenses than what the iPod division of Apple? I mean, you know, Apple is trouncing Microsoft in so many ways, and Microsoft has the legacy market share for the PC world. But isn't that just following a dead horse? Um, you know, we're we're starting to get a bit later in uh, Windows 7's uh, life cycle. Um, you know, we we have seen some uh, some PC uh, sales uh, declines. Uh, the you know Microsoft is really starting to beat the drum now on Windows 8 or whatever the next version of Windows is ultimately called. Uh, and, Windows uh, Zigbang, new name, Windows <laughs> Zigbang from Microsoft because Windows 8 is too pedestrian. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make a bet against that happening. <laughs> <laughs> I will too. I'll join you. We'll both make bets that Microsoft will not call it Windows Zigbang. But the other thing that worries me here is they got this commercial for Windows 7. Yes. The father and the son on their notebooks. And the son decides to spruce up his father's presentations, and he makes it look like a 1990s Flash video, just as clunky, just as clumsy. That's supposed to show the technology that Microsoft is capable of? I haven't seen the commercial. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but seriously speaking here, we're seeing here that the Mac is still being preferred Still doing well in every category. I heard something. Is this your figure or somebody that the all-in-one iMac has a third of the total all-in-one desktop computer market in the U.S.? It, it has very strong market share, yes. I mean, it was a pioneer in that category, uh, and Apple continues to do very well in that category. And it's basically just an excellent computer. In fact, in fact here... What I see is a lot of people are buying iMacs, especially the quad-core processor and all that stuff, and the mm -hmm. high-powered graphics cards, and they're saying, I don't need a Mac Pro. Right. Well, and, and there have been you know, some questions regarding the future uh, of the Mac Pro. Um, you know, the iMac is, uh, as you mentioned, you know, they're, they're putting a lot of horsepower uh, in those products today, and it really is intended. I mean, it sort of started life as a you know, the, the consumer desktop uh, in that box. Uh, but, yes, it's, it's certainly um, more than adequate um, um, uh, computer for uh, a wide range of um, tasks that um, business users would need to accommodate. We have to accommodate this on the Tech Night Out Live. More with Ross Rubin in a moment. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack, Attack. of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack. of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S 
Attack, Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Introducing a diabetes breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough live with gene steinberg it's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. Ross Rubin of the NPD Group, who works with connected intelligence, which means they wire his head to a computer. <laughs> he is connected. And Mr. Bond calls him from London and tells him what's going on. We're, I like the fact that Ross doesn't take himself so seriously that he objects to things like that because you should hear what he says about me when we're off the air. Seriously speaking here, you know, I'm Microsoft. I'm Steve Ballmer or one of the thousands of committees they have there, and I'm looking. Windows Phone, 
not going anywhere yet. I'm looking at Windows 8, and I don't see a lot of anticipation or anyone caring about it. Everyone's saying Apple, Apple. We have Apple sales up here, and Microsoft is down here. What does Microsoft do to get back what they lost, get back their mojo? You know, I think one of the things that they're betting on with this next version of Windows uh, is um, – uh, is the tablet capabilities, you know, the native touch capabilities. This is really going to be the biggest change to Windows default uh, user interface in its history. Uh, and we could uh, talk for uh, some time about how, you know, under the hood, if you will, uh, desktop Windows is still there and, you know, you'll you'll still be able to boot up, uh, you know, classic uh, Microsoft Word and Excel uh, and whether that is um, an advantage or a disadvantage. But, uh, but clearly the push uh, that Microsoft is, is making in its user interface and to its developers uh, is this new Metro uh, framework uh, and user interface style, uh, which um, is much more like uh, the Windows Phone user interface than the current Windows desktop Windows or Mac uh, OS. So... Today, of course, you know, there is a lot of Windows uh, licenses being sold um, for use with non-touch products, uh, and there are questions about the value of Windows 8 to those products. Uh, but clearly, uh, a lot of the sales momentum right now is behind tablets, and Microsoft is really hoping that Windows 8 can be uh, a strong offering for uh, PC companies, HP, Acer, Dell, uh, to compete uh, with with the iPad. In fact, uh, you know, if you think about the idea of a tablet that could fit into a docking um, keyboard, a keyboard dock, uh, very similar to the um, uh, Asus Transformer, um, the argument might be, why do you need an iPad? You know, here you have an, essentially a notebook. Uh, and a tablet. Yeah, but you know what? One device. The problem is that they're not going to be able to sell that tablet notebook with all the bells and whistles for four hundred, five hundred, six hundred dollars. No, but you know how many people are using the iPad as their only computer? That's right. A lot of people, more and more people, are using it, and that was one of the issues that Tim Cook raised at the quarterly conference call. That they're seeing cannibalization of PCs. PC users, some Mac users, but PC users are buying the iPad, maybe yeah. to take with them. It's obviously not a complete computer. We understand that. But the key is here that I wonder about. Metro looks to me warmed over Zoom, warmed over Windows Phone. Why should I take something that hasn't been successful and take that interface and stick it on a desktop? I mean, the, 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 the Zoom MP3 player was not successful. But they, that was where the interface was used. It, it began there, and it, you know, there were even shades of it prior to that. And sure, but if I'm taking Media something Center, that has appeared on products that haven't been successful, why assume if I graft well, it onto another product it will be? Uh, obviously, you know, there's a strong belief that despite the lack of success of those products, the user interface direction was the right one, and, and that was something people liked about the products, even though you know, they weren't enough to uh, propel, or at least in the case of Windows Phone, hasn't yet been enough uh, to propel those, those products forward in the marketplace. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a pleasant interface. Um, people who have exposure to it tend to like it. You know, is, is it enough to... Uh, is it compelling enough to 
cause um, someone who might be considering an iPhone or an Android phone uh, to come to Windows Phone? Maybe not, at least not yet. You know, it's still early and, and there are still a lot of gaps. Uh, but for example, you know, we found that uh, Windows Phone is resonating somewhat among first-time smartphone buyers, uh, and there will always be new ones of those coming into the market. Well, time will tell how Windows and Microsoft fare, especially in the next few quarters. We'll see. Final question I'm going to ask, have you guys been looking at all at 3D TV and all these connected TVs? Will people ever respond to 3D TV, or do we have to find a really good way to ditch those glasses? <laughs> uh, well, certainly everyone would be happy um, if there were a way to do it, do it uh, to create high-quality 3D uh, without the glasses um, uh, in, in the home for an affordable price. So there's a, a lot of caveats there. Um, the good news is that even with the glasses, you know, the price of these TVs are starting to come down. The delta uh, between 2D and 3D TVs is, is starting to shrink, uh, so you're paying less of a premium for them. We're seeing the introduction of new technologies like the passive technologies uh, on LG and Vizio TVs uh, that make the glasses uh, very inexpensive um, and don't require charging. So, you know, I think at this point it, it's becoming less of an issue of getting 3D into the home. Uh, I think increasingly we'll see uh, higher-end TVs just happen to be 3D TVs. And I guess uh, the goal is to get them to the mid-range TVs and more into the lower-end TVs at a slight premium. So if someone buys a new TV set, then the theory would be, well, it's got 3D anyway, so maybe they will then upgrade to a 3D Blu-ray player or get 3D yeah, on mean, their direct TV or all, something, and all, by osmosis they'll pick it up. Well, all, all Blu-ray players, you know, are essentially supporting 3D now and, and will moving forward. The, but the older the real, players can't be updated for that, though. No, no. Okay, but, sure. you know, 3D ones are not that expensive uh, for a replacement. The, the issue really is, is the content. You know, will there be enough compelling content? And will consumers don the glasses uh, in order to enjoy that content? And will the consumers care that George Lucas is distributing 3D versions of Star Wars? How many times is he going to redo those movies to try to make more money from them? Enough is enough, ladies and gentlemen. I put it to you. This is my soapbox, and I'm going to slip off it right now. Go ahead, Russ. All right. Uh, well, he's, he's retiring soon So, uh, from uh, what I've heard. so Is that a promise uh, or a threat? I don't know, but uh, I, I think it's safe to say that uh, uh, there, there will still be attempts to uh, reinvent those movies uh, for some time to come. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I've had enough. You know, 3D, it still comes down to this, though. The 3D movies haven't really shown much traction in the multiplex. I mean, you had some that did well, a lot that didn't do well, and it gets back to the stories. Avatar did well because it was a good movie that happened to be in 3D. Right. But if you have Clash of the Titans. Right. Well, you know, that was from some time ago, and... You know, certainly I, uh, there are a lot of movies um, uh, in the theaters today where you know 3D is is more of a um, uh, you know more more of a veneer. Uh, then you have a movie like Hugo, uh, which uh, has won a lot of acclaim for its use of 3D and uh, and how well it um, uh, it, it really um, uh, augments uh, the, the story and the plot. 
was so, nominated for 11 Oscars, but it was a failure in the box office. Don't forget that. <laughs> Didn't do well at the box office at all. Good movie, though. I'm going to see it. Seriously. All right. I'm going to want to see that, definitely, because just the story is intriguing. Maybe it's not a mass market kind of acceptance. No. And quite often, Oscar movies aren't mass market. But if you look at the Oscar movies, most of them I never heard of. <laughs> I'm serious, I never heard of them. Isn't that weird? Mm. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So we'll see. Maybe we'll talk about this after next year's CES. Yeah. And see how 3D went and see whether I've invested in the 3D set. Hint, no. But we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll change my mind. All right. Okay. Ross Rubin, tell us more about the things you do and where we can find more information about you. Uh, sure. Um, uh, one, uh, one way to sort of um, uh, track the pulse of what I'm commenting on is my Twitter feed at, uh, um, at Ross Rubin, R-O-S-S-R-U-B-I-N. Uh, you can also uh, see my commentary on the NPD Group blog uh, at uh, npdgroupblog.com. So um, uh, those, are, those are a few places uh, to read what I'm thinking. And coming up next on the show, we've got Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, who will be talking about research in motion, Apple, and lots of other stuff. Ross Rubin, thanks for, as usual, being a mensch and joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. All right. Thank you, Gene. Take care. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, we fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at laptopmag.com. And we're going to focus on some obvious topics. And first off, of course, is Apple reports these incredible numbers. There are always rare exceptions running, what, 10 to 15% ahead of the analysts' expectations? Yeah. Uh, now, this time, they really hit it out of the park. It's, it's unbelievable. I think uh, I speak for all of your listeners when I say I wish I had bought Apple stock a few days ago. I wish I bought Apple stock when it was $13 and I had maybe $5,000 with me. And I have to think, $13 and now it's, what, $440, $450 a share, $5,000 worth of stock. 
boy, am I a fool. But I wanted to be ethical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's sure. I mean, but even if you had bought their stock a few days ago, you'd be seeing some return. You'd be seeing some return now because of these numbers. Uh, so Heck, I can't afford to buy even one share. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's absolutely out of control how well how well they're doing. I mean, you're talking about uh, revenues of forty six point three billion dollars and a profit um, in the last quarter, which most of us would call Q four, but for Apple is is Q one um, because they go by a certain fiscal calendar. Of thirteen point oh six billion dollars, thirteen dollars and eighty seven cents per share for the last quarter in profit, not revenue. The revenue was forty six point three billion. So un- unbelievable historic quarter for Apple. During this quarter, they sold more iPhones per day than there were babies born on Earth. Every day, there are 371,000 babies born, and every day of this quarter, 377,000 iPhones were sold. Uh, unfortunately, the babies don't get the free iPhones. Well, you know, maybe Apple has enough money they can change that. They sure do. I mean, if you look at the amount of money that they've earned, uh, basically, they just earned uh, more revenue than... Warren Buffett earns uh, in a year. Uh, he earns $39.8 billion. And the amount of cash on hand that Apple has right now, that is just cash money that they have lying around from this quarter and, and you know all their previous success, $97.6 billion. Enough that if each that if it was divided into single dollar bills, it could be stacked 67.9 miles high or or long. Now you didn't make that up. You looked it up to get those figures. You weren't sitting there with your calculator or working on your computer punching in the numbers. We did it uh, recently uh, at the Laptop Mag site to kind of come up with a scale to actually measure these numbers. Uh, so that we could kind of put them in some perspective, which is just, you know, awe-inducing. Awe there's um, there's actually a website out there um, where people are submitting these kind of figures. I think it's called applemademorethan.com or uh, something like that. It's absolutely crazy how much money they have. Uh, it kind of raises the question of, what are they going to do with all this money? Where are they? Where is Apple going to invest it? That's an interesting point. Funny you should ask, as they used to say on the TV shows, the comedy shows. Tim Cook, speaking at the conference with financial analysts that Apple held, said they're going to look at that. It doesn't mean they're going to do anything about it, but they're going to look at it. I mean, there's there are so many ways that Apple could go with this with this money that they have. I mean. Just having that much cash really would enable them to get into other types of business. But you notice that Apple, while very forward-thinking, is also very conservative about doing things like acquisitions. So while it would probably be pocket change for them to do something like buy Yahoo, I can't imagine them doing that. Well, that's one of the things where I can see where Apple doesn't make that kind of acquisition. I think personally... 
that anyone who wanted to buy Yahoo would be wasting their money. But it's not the kind of acquisition that Apple does. Apple buys technology. They bought this solid-state or flash memory chip-designing company in Israel. Yep, uh, exactly. So they're looking for things that are going to help in their supply chain. Uh, so they obviously are one of the world's biggest consumers of flash memory, putting it into all of their i products. So, so obviously, uh, that's why they bought Anobit uh, from Israel, which is actually a storage controller designer. So they might, you know, want to go out and get more sort of flash memory resources, uh, so that they're less dependent on a Samsung. Uh, they might also be well-served to uh, do a little bit more investment in display technology because I know that that's something where Apple likes to push the envelope, and yet they're kind of beholden to display makers. Uh, but, you know, Apple doesn't like to run its own factories and run its own uh, back-end um, stuff. They like to do development and then, and then and do lots of outsourcing. So now that's one thing, too. I believe Steve Jobs was once quoted as saying to President Obama, those jobs that were lost to these Asian factories, and now they've got a factory in Brazil, they're not coming back to the U.S. Yeah, there's there's no question that Apple is not alone in relying very heavily on uh, labor in developing countries, particularly in China, uh, although it's not the only country. And obviously... There, they're able to get all kinds of things uh, out of the labor force that they can't get in the United States uh, because the United States has safety regulations, minimum wage, uh, and you know, and, and all kinds of things like that. Uh, they're able to, you know, get someone like a Foxconn to, you know, run their factory 24 hours a day and change on a dime to adapt to what Apple wants to change, uh, such as when they first came out with the iPhone in 2007, and Steve Jobs was originally going to allow it to roll out with a plastic screen, and he looked at it and he hated it. Uh, and so he made, he made them change to glass, and they had six weeks uh, to change it to glass. So I think, um, obviously, they're, you know, Apple does not like to use, uh, like most of its competitors, uh, wants to keep their costs low and wants to be able to produce things on the scale that they want. And so they're looking at places that don't have the kind of regulations that we have. Uh, so they're able to, to produce things more quickly. But, of course, that leads to a whole raft of other problems. Now, speaking of those problems, this is certainly something we really want to talk about. There's a story in the New York Times, which is covering problems with Apple's contract factories. And I guess before we report the problems, to what degree should Apple take responsibility? Apple should take full responsibility. Uh, the app, Apple is responsible for what happens in those factories. I know that a lot of people would say, no, Foxconn is responsible, or maybe the Chinese government is responsible for not having the kind of stringent regulations that we have here in the United States. Uh, but the reality is that Apple is the one footing the bill, 
and Apple also is responsible for squeezing uh, those manufacturers by consistently trying to cut the uh, cut the margin that they're willing to pay. So, you know, when they year after year they come back and say, "Okay, now produce my iPhones 10% for 10% cheaper." These these companies like a Foxconn or a WinTech uh, that are manufacturing the iPhones and iPads or parts for them for Apple. Uh, you know, they're taking that money right out of safety measures, uh, right out of the salaries and benefits of the employees. Now, that's an important point, an important point about safety. Not to mention, of course, the salaries. We'll mention this in further detail. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Say, wouldn't it be great if that computer keyboard sitting on your desk also worked with your iPhone? Sending a text message would be lightning fast. This is exactly the idea behind the Matthias One keyboard for iPhone and Mac. You just need to experience it once to see how incredibly fast and convenient it really is. It's also available for the PC and BlackBerry. Visit onekeyboard.com slash TNO. Once again, onekeyboard.com slash TNO. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Hey, everybody, Jason Lewis here once again. These are hard times for investors. If you're like me, you just don't know where to put your money because there's a downside to every possible scenario. Now, look, every portfolio needs a hedge for inflation. Gold has been the classic. I want to tell you, I want to be honest with you, commodities fluctuate, so you could lose money. Gold goes up and down, but every stable portfolio usually has an inflation hedge, and gold is, well, the gold standard. Washington is not going to get us out of this recovery so you've got to protect yourself. Give it some thought, and if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but it's lost a lot of its value since then. Call Midas Resources today, 1-800-686-2237 for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. 
Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. Take charge of your health. Get all natural innovative health products from the new AffinityHealthProducts.com. From weight loss to cold and flu remedies to better joint function, discover natural products you can trust online at AffinityHealthProducts.com. Like lose and snooze. Fact is, 90% of all diets fail. Why not try a completely new way of dieting? With lose and snooze, you can achieve weight loss while you sleep. Guaranteed. Reduce caloric intake, get a deep restorative sleep, build lean muscle mass, and keep your metabolic rate up to burn fat throughout the night and day. With all natural lose and snooze from AffinityHealthProducts.com. Include the one-day diet for a complete weight loss package. Order Lucid Snooze and the one-day diet and other all-natural products for men and women online at AffinityHealthProducts.com. Spelled A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y HealthProducts.com. Or call 877-888-7126. That's 877-888-7126. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. We're looking at maybe the unsavory side of Apple's manufacturing with contract factories like Foxconn. Talking to Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. So is there any indication that Apple, in making these killer deals to keep the cost of building their gear as low as possible, is endangering the safety of workers, is preventing them from having a livable wage? Absolutely, yes. Apple has a policy that they put up and obviously they're very proud of in terms of what is acceptable from their vendors and they do inspections. So in Apple's defense, they do inspections, they have a stated policy that you can find on their website. However, they're constantly, the Apple reports constantly show their vendors violating Apple policies and clearly they're not willing to dump these vendors or do enough to pressure these vendors to change their policies. In the New York Times article, the Times spoke with a former Apple executive and a former Foxconn executive, uh, both of whom said that, you know, it's really window dressing. Apple does these reports because they've come under some pressure, but they don't really follow through, nor do they want to follow through, nor do they want to follow through to help the workers. It's, It's all window dressing to kind of you know, placate the public. Maybe with more articles like this, Apple will feel more pressure. But I think one of the interesting things that the executive that they that they spoke to said is is the system. He says here, the system works for us. Suppliers would change everything tomorrow if Apple told them they didn't have another choice. If half of the iPhones were malfunctioning, do you think Apple would let it go on for four years? Uh, is what the former Apple executive is quoted as saying. So if Apple wanted them to change, they would. If Apple didn't like what they were getting out of a Foxconn or a WinTech, they would ask for a change. What they are looking for is low prices, 
and high quality and fast production. They're getting all of those things. But they're not necessarily getting workers who get good wages. They're not necessarily getting safety. Yeah, but Apple can really take a lot of dings when they have problems like an explosion at a factory. And of course, Apple will always say, yeah, we visit the factories, we make sure they're good. But the other question is here, is it also possible that when Tim Cook or someone from Apple goes down to the factory, they put on a show for them, look, all our workers are happy and everything is safe. And of course, they, they hide what's really going on. I think Apple knows full well what's going on. I don't think that the issue is that Apple is deluded. For one thing, if you read the article in the Times, they actually did speak to a current Apple executive who wouldn't give his name, but he, but he said, listen, we know that our customers care more about a new iPhone than working conditions in China because apparently just 2% of Apple customers who were surveyed cited labor conditions as a complaint. So the public here in the U.S. and in other first world countries that buy Apple products isn't making an outcry uh, like in the past it made outcries about things like shoe factories that make shoes for Nike. Apple feels very content to just to just let things stay the way they are because they're making money this way. That's where those big profits are coming from. If they didn't have such a high profit margin on all of these devices, uh, they could pay more uh, to these factories to give the workers a living wage to ensure uh, and to ensure safety. But the reality is, even when Apple's made aware of a problem, they don't do very much to solve it, at least according to what we're, what we're seeing. In the article, you'll see that um, one of Apple's suppliers is named Wintech. Wintech last year had, had asked or forced its workers to use a very toxic chemical to clean the iPhone screens because this chemical dried faster than normal isopropyl alcohol. A lot of the workers got sick, some died. Apple did demand that Wintech stop using the chemical, and they did. But Apple also went out and told the public that they were taking care of all the injured workers. And then a follow-up report showed that Apple hadn't done anything to help the injured workers or to make sure they were receiving care. And then only when they were shamed did they go back and, um, at least according to the New York Times article here, did they go back and do something about it? So it seems pretty clear that, you know, there's kind of a wink and nod relationship here. Now, to be fair, Apple is really just the most visible, visible client of these companies, of these suppliers, which are not limited at all to Foxconn because they're just the biggest name uh, amongst Chinese suppliers. But Apple has you know, 157 suppliers that they've disclosed, and a lot of those are companies that operate not just in China but elsewhere where there just aren't as aggressive standards of, of enforcement or standards of, of health and safety. But if you look at other companies such as Intel, which have gone out, out and said, we're going to allow third parties to come and inspect the factories where our work is done, and then you look at Apple, which has barred environmental groups and safety and advocacy groups in China, Chinese groups, so, you know, they're not just foreigners coming there to, to check out these factories. They're, they're there trying to help their own people, and they've been barred by Apple from, from inspecting the premises and making sure that standards are being followed. I think the lack of transparency really makes Apple stand out.
Well, the other question, of course, is how many other companies are doing the same thing? You know, Apple may be large, but, of course, HP's building a lot of stuff and Dell's building a lot of stuff at some of those very same plants. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really true, and so I don't see that any of the other companies, too many of the other companies are, are doing a lot to help the problem. And we do have people like an Intel going on record and saying, hey, we, we're being more transparent with the public and letting people kind of peer behind the curtain a bit to see what's going on at the factories. But to be fair, we don't see a lot of pressure being put on Dell or a lot of pressure being put on HP to stop the suicides uh, or the safety issues at, at a plant like the Foxconn plant. I mean, Apple is Apple is getting a lot of the blame because Apple's, Apple's the most successful client right now. And in a way, it's not fair. Um, but of course, if Apple exerted themselves, Apple could make the biggest difference. So that's the thing, that Apple has to lead the industry to doing this, but then who's clamoring for it? Who's clamoring for this? We have the New York Times, which, of course, is one publication. But if the Wall Street Journal picked up on it, if the Washington Post picked up on it, maybe then something would happen? Yeah, I think it has to become more of a cause. Uh, And you see that there are a lot of things like this that come up and then people forget about them. After all, um, a lot of the tungsten that is used in... Uh, using these devices like iPads and, and iPhones also comes from areas of Africa that uh, where there are huge wars going on, like the Congo. And there, there was a movement a while ago to, you know, to deal with so-called conflict minerals. And we haven't seen, you know, we've seen some movement there, but we haven't seen, you know, a really big hue and cry about that either. And that's. In, in many ways, even worse, there are actual wars being fought and people shooting each other over these minerals as opposed to a factory that's mistreating workers. I mean, they're both pretty bad. Either way you look at it. We have Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. More coming on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack. Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. 
Do you suffer from low-functioning adrenal or thyroid? Did you know that mercury from your dental fillings comes off of your teeth both as a vapor and as particles into your body? Wherever mercury deposits in your body, it stops cells from functioning normally. Animal studies show that mercury causes kidney function to drop by 60%. Mercury deposited into your adrenals or thyroid will cause a corresponding drop in function. The number one method by which your body detoxifies itself of mercury is glutathione. The number one superfood that helps turn on all 10 trillion cells of your body to produce glutathione is non-denatured whey protein from grass-fed cows. After investigating most high-end whey proteins on the market, only one is the most non-denatured, the most active, the most complete, and in our opinion, the most powerful in what nature originally put into the fresh raw whey. It is One World Whey. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with Fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your Fake TV for only $34.95, go to FakeTV.com. Or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to FakeTV.com. FakeTV.com, the burglar deterrent. What if pain could be reduced, ailments could be alleviated, physical and mental stress could be eased, and blood circulation increased, all by simply lying down? Introducing the original Biomat. The Biomat is an FDA-registered medical device that combines deep-penetrating infrared space-age technology and revitalizing negative ions with the incredible healing power of amethyst crystals. A Biomat can boost your immune system, relieve pain and stiffness, reduce stress and fatigue, and assist in detoxifying your body. Join the thousands of people reporting relief from chronic pain, fibromyalgia, arthritis, sports injuries, insomnia, and much more. Each Biomat comes with a lifetime trade-in and three-year warranty. Learn more at bio-mats.com, spelled B-I-O-M-A-T-S.com, or call 360-944-8692. That's 360-944-8692. Visit bio-mats.com today and enhance your life with a Biomat. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night Isle Live. And instead of just focusing on Apple sales, and you've read about that. Everybody's read that. You go to Apple.com, you can see all the numbers. We're focusing on something that might not be so pretty. And what that is is the fact that... Apple may have problems with its contract makers, like Foxconn, and these problems may exist with other companies. And the question is here, how does the word get out there? You know, Apple won't do it alone because HP is going to do the same thing, because Dell's going to do the same thing. So how do we change it? I think that if you had leadership 
at a company like Apple, which we won't expect necessarily Tim Cook to step up, but if you had leadership at a company that does business with, uh, with some of these suppliers and would come out and actually try to educate the public. Look, I think we in the media need to educate the public, but I also feel like the industry needs to educate the public. So if some of the companies that are trying to make a change or a company like Apple decides, hey, it would really be to our advantage to make a change, then I think they could do something to educate the public about why they're making a change. Of course, part of the issue is, do people really care about uh, workers in other countries? And, you know, obviously, I think they should. We're all humans here. But Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people who don't want to think about where their products come from. You know, if it's not workers in their own country, they're not thinking about their welfare. I think there are obviously a lot of people who are upset that the reason that these services have been offshored is because these workers are willing to put up with these conditions. I think it's a hard road to hoe to get the public involved, but I think if someone like Meg Whitman from HP or, or someone from, or, or Tim Cook himself or Michael Dell stepped up and said, look, we're going to enforce this minimum standard at our factories and we're going to, you know, put out some education materials on our website, maybe put something on our packaging. I think similar to the EP Gold the EPEAT system that we have for products that are made in an environmentally friendly way. Perhaps uh, there should be another kind of certification program uh, for products that are made made with worker safety and, you know, worker safety. And, and maybe, maybe it's too much to ask for a wonderful living wage and a wonderful environment for the workers. But if we could even get to the point of of saying that these are made in a safe environment, I think that would be a big step forward. Now, Foxconn is going to be building or has built a plant in Brazil. Now, are we going to see in Brazil the same problems that afflict them in Asia, or we're dealing with, of course, a country that's not a third world country, so they can't get away with that? You know, I think it really is going to depend on the willingness of the Brazilian government to enforce safety standards. There are safety standards that have to be met in Brazil, then Foxconn is not going to be able to do all of the things that they've done in China. I mean, you know, in China right now, they're supposed to be, or they, they say that workers should not be working more than 60 hours a week. I don't think that's even a Chinese regulation as much as an Apple rule, but of course, we saw in the article that people were routinely working a lot more hours than that, including forced double shift. Obviously, they're supposed to give people protective gear when, they ha- when they're working with chemicals. And in the case of the explosion and the, that they had in May at the iPad factory, they weren't giving them the protective gear. Workers were actually, even after they took a shower, having specks of, of metal in their hair and on their, on their skin that couldn't come out. So the question is really, uh, what is the Brazilian government and Brazilian authorities going to enforce and what aren't they going to enforce? And I don't know enough about, you know, the willingness of regulations in Brazil, but I'm, I'm sure that a supplier like Foxconn won't put an operation there uh, that they can't make a profit off of. So they've obviously done the, the legwork to see what they can and can't get away with in that country. And maybe they can get away with less than in China, 
but they certainly can get away with a lot more than they could in the United States or in the anywhere in the EU. So we're going to have to see what's going to happen, whether anybody's going to bother to cover it. And we'll continue to explore this. We'll see what happens in future episodes of the Tech Night on Live. We're going to find out exactly how this matter is being addressed, if it's being addressed, or whether it's something that we just have to keep talking about every so often until someone pays attention. And maybe, of course, it's also the responsibility of the authorities in China, the authorities in Brazil, to say, you know what, it's okay if you want to come here and set up plants and make money and all that and possibly give our citizens a higher standard of living, but they got to be safe. Yeah, I mean, I think that's obviously something that companies like Apple are counting on is uh, you know, less regulation, and that allows them to spend less. But there's a human cost, a huge human cost, uh, when people are people are dying for your iPad. Literally. Let's pursue a few other topics here, and this is one we're going to continue to explore, the safety of workers who produce all that great gear for Apple and other companies around the world. Let's look at the situation with research in motion. Now, you and I have been talking about this, and I've talked about with one of our Canadian commentators, Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com, and it's about the leadership problem over research in motion. So now we hear that the two leaders of this company, the two founders, decided to step down. Tell me more. Well, uh, Jim, Jim Basile and Mike Lazarides were the co-founders of the company, and they were the co-CEOs, and they didn't want to leave. I'm sure they, I'm sure that they were kicking and screaming behind closed doors, but investors in the board were pressuring them heavily because of just how bad the company has been doing, losing 75% of its value in a year, uh, having really severe declines in market share to now they're, last we checked, 16% of the U.S. smartphone market and dropping, and that's the U.S., but they're dropping elsewhere as well. The company is going in the exact opposite direction uh, of Apple, uh, which is right into the toilet bowl. And so they resigned, and then they appointed uh, Thorsten Hines, who was the COO, uh, to be CEO. Most people, including me, believe this is going to accomplish Nothing. Well, the thing that bothered me is when the new CEO is expressing the plans for the future, they're not going to change anything. Now, I assume when the CEOs, the founders of the company, resigned, we know they didn't resign just because they wanted to resign. It's because they were dragged kicking and screaming to make that decision. So they resign. They bring someone else aboard. You don't resign if everything is okay. Right. Uh, so what kills me is he actually said that he approves of the plan that Lazaridis and Vasily had in place. He said he think he admires them for not looking for short-term short-term gains and for taking a go-slow approach uh, with the release of their BlackBerry 10 operating system, which we won't see until September at the earliest, uh, even though it's years overdue. And, you know, he's promised us more of the same. Well, no wonder that investors are running away from that stock. I mean, I guess that just as with everything else, 
uh, Lazarus and Bofili are completely tone deaf. Somebody, you know, somebody dragged them kicking and screaming to not really resign, but give up the CEO role. They're both staying on on the board. Lazarita says he looks forward to working with Himes, and Valsili is still going to be a director on the board, so the two of them are still going to maintain supposedly a fair amount of influence. They've appointed a guy who's been with the company in a, in a senior role for the last, you know, almost five years now, uh, while the company has been going down the toilet. So, you know, when they desperately needed to bring in an outside influence to turn things around, they basically made the move that's designed to fool people into thinking that they made a change. I'll tell you oh, what, well, we're going to be fooled if we don't do this. We have Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many files formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Emergency preparedness plans must include a fast way to start a fire. Fire up instantly with the revolutionary Quick Stove, a compact, lightweight, portable stove that's ready for cooking in less than one minute. Quick Stove, the safe, non-explosive fuel source that is an emergency preparedness essential. Quick Stove comes with four waterproof fuel cells that ignite in seconds, burn for up to 90 minutes each, can be lit and relit, and be stored indefinitely. At up to 18,000 BTUs, Quick Stove is ready to boil water in less than five minutes and burns hotter than most outdoor stoves. Now the best part. Quick Stove starts at only $34.99 and comes with a 100% satisfaction or your money back guarantee. Order today at quickstove.com or call 801-784-0225. That's 801-784-0225. Or go to quickstove.com. Click on the discounts tab for multi-unit savings. Quick Stove, quite possibly the world's fastest outdoor fire. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night Owl Live. This is our final segment, and we're exploring the change of leadership over at Research in Motion but maybe not much has changed. Yeah, they should rename their company Research That's Stationary. The company is, is I, I will be very surprised if by this time next year, RIM continues to exist as an independent company. The services will probably continue to exist because they're, they have a fair number of clients. Someone will, will want to buy that from them, but they're in such big trouble. And what they need is to have their burning platform moment, just like Nokia had. You know, for the benefit of people who aren't familiar, Nokia was having these kind of huge problems. They brought in an outsider, Stephen Elop, who had been with Microsoft. Elop came aboard. He looked at their plans to go with the Nego operating system as their future. He said, this is not going to work. We're not going to be able to implement this operating system in time to save the company. Uh, It might be a perfectly nice operating system, but we don't have the time to wait to get it right. So we're going to go with Windows Phone. And, you know, the results so far are somewhat mixed. Uh, Nokia just came out with with their earnings report, which showed that they lost a lot of money. Uh, but they've already climbed up to be one of the top uh, Windows Phone makers in just a couple of months. They've got a lot of exciting products coming out, uh, like the Lumia 900 that's coming on to AT&T, the first Windows Phone with LTE, 4G LTE, I should add. Uh, So he made a choice that was a tough choice, but he did it to try and save the company because he came in with an outsider's perspective. Uh, you know, Elop coming in from Nokia. So what you have here in the case of Rem is no one, no one there wants to make that kind of tough choice. 
and it doesn't seem that they have the ability, like Apple does with its Foxconn relationship, to change on a dime. Uh, it seems like they have the unique ability to do everything slow and late. Uh, so by the time their new operating system, BlackBerry 10, comes out in the fall, it's very likely that no one's going to care anymore. Well, that's also part of the problem. Now, with if we look at Nokia, for example, they've been losing money the last few quarters, haven't they? Uh, yes. Nokia, so Nokia is still in trouble, but they made a tough choice, and it may pay off. It certainly staying the course wasn't helping them. You know, we could argue, though, that maybe if they had been able to launch more stuff with the Nego operating system on it, it might have become a more interesting platform. But they saw, which RIM does not seem to be able to see, that you can't just launch an operating system and have a nice-looking operating system with nice-looking hardware. You have to have an ecosystem. You have to have apps. So... Let's say Nokia had stuck with their original plan, uh, which was to to go with the Nego operating system that they developed in co- in cooperation with Intel, and roll out all their all the new smartphones with Nego starting this fall. They would have had to attract a whole new range of developers to create a whole new range of apps. And developers are very picky; they don't necessarily glam onto any new platform right away. So they went with something which is building an audience, which is you know, with the Windows Phone platform. Of course, it didn't hurt that Microsoft is also giving them money. Now, BlackBerry, they're going to go with their own platform that they're developing. By all accounts, it looks very pretty. The, the, play, the operating system on the Playbook, which is a derivative of the same QNX uh, Unix operating system, looks very attractive, but it has a handful of apps. And it's really hard to believe that with their poor sales and their poor track record and the fact that this is the only manufacturer that's going to be making this operating system, that they're going to be able to attract the developers that they need to make this a success. And as they are already late with it, and it should have really been done like this past fall, if not before, by the time they come out with it, we'll probably be on Windows Phone 8 We'll probably be on Android 5.0. We'll probably have iPhone 5s. And I sincerely doubt that what they're coming out with is going to be so compelling that it's going to sway people from the next generation iPhone, Android, and, and Windows phone when it'll probably be like everything else that Rim comes out with a day late, you know, a week late and $100 short. What can I tell you? Where are you going to go from here? Is it going to be the two-horse race then? It's going to be... Apple with the iOS, Google with, of course, Android, even Microsoft is going nowhere. I, you know, I think that Windows Phone is going to have a good year this year. I think that what we're seeing with some of the products that started to come out at the end of 2011 is better quality hardware. Windows Phone 7.5 is incrementally quite a bit better. Uh, I think that we're going to start to see better hardware on the Windows Phone devices and more apps. The public isn't as interested as, say, geeky people like myself are in things like sideloading apps or customizing or hacking. They're interested in something that has a really nice-looking UI, has really powerful hardware, and what's really been hurting Windows Phone is a lack of great hardware and a lack of great apps. And so when you start to see 4G LTE come into the platform, if you start to see HD screens come into the platform, 
you know, really great cameras like you have with the megapixel Carl Zeiss lens that is on the Nokia Lumia 900 that's coming out. Uh, I think the great hardware is going to is going to sell the platform. Microsoft still has the sway to get um, to get some more app developers on board. So I think by the time you see something like a Windows Phone 8, which we all expect to come out sometime this year, uh, and to be iteratively better than 7.5, they have a shot to. I would say there's a good chance that by the end of 2012, that Microsoft becomes the third player ahead of whatever BlackBerry operating system is left. Well, Microsoft will certainly throw as much money as they can at the problem. I, but they also have good hardware. I mean, they also have the support of a lot of vendors. You know, people like Samsung and HCC uh, are biding, are sort of hedging their bets on Android. They like Android, but they also like Windows Phone, and they're willing to to play uh, to play on both platforms. So I think they, I think there's a good chance that Windows Phone does not surpass Android, does not surpass iOS, but becomes a respected third player. I guess that would be fine for Microsoft, considering that, you know, Microsoft isn't getting the love these days. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure they would like to be the first player, but I think they have to realize that they're they're quite they're quite far behind at this point, and even coming up, and you know, if they could get to, if they could up themselves like you know, a really nice chunk, like 20% share, uh, you know, that, that would be, that would be a good year for them. That would be a good start. And then they could start to see about what is, what is the future hold? How do we better integrate with something like a windows eight? That's, that's obviously coming out next fall. I mean, one of the things that they have not really addressed is, is there really a way that they can sell people on, it being a better together story with Windows 8 and, and your Windows Phone. So far, it doesn't really seem like you're getting a great, great benefit from using a Windows Phone with your Windows PC. But if they can cross that bridge and give you an advantage, then I think they may have something that's really special. Well, the more competition, the better. I mean, it's bad to see a company like Research in Motion fail. They laid off 2,000 workers. You know, you have all these people looking for jobs in a climate where jobs are so scarce. Oh, by the way, I should mention this, and let's see what happens. We did attempt to register this show on the Paracast in the podcast directory for BlackBerry users. Now, after listening to this episode, we're not going to get in there, I don't think, but we'll keep our fingers crossed. Avram Pilch, tell us where we can find more of the things that you do. So you can check out my weekly Geeks Geek column at laptopmag.com slash geek. You can follow me on Twitter at Chief, and of course keep up with all the latest mobile tech news at laptopmag.com. And you can find us, technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. On Twitter, we are technightowl. What else could we be but technightowl at Twitter? You can write us, news at technightowl.com. And don't forget our other radio show about UFOs and things that definitely go bump in the night. It's called The Paracast at Paracast.com. A special thank you to Avram Pilch for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Always a pleasure. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.